Welcome to episode 58 of the With Will podcast. I am your host and producer, Will Brown. Thank you so much for joining us. It has been a while since we've recorded a podcast, but we're back. We have a very cool episode for you. We are going to speak with someone who will talk to us about the upcoming Men's World Cup, and we'll give you predictions about every single group, as well as our predictions on who we think will win the tournament. Stay tuned for that. We are joined by Clayton Freeman, the extraordinary sports reporter for the Florida Times Union, who covers high schools and small colleges and does pro sports, but is best known for his being a soccer savant and knowing a lot of things about a lot of soccer teams at all levels of the game. So Clayton, thank you so much for joining us on the With Will podcast. Great. Great to be be honest, it's definitely um, a little strange to be talking about World Cup in November, but that's where we are right now. You know, it's been a very strange week here in Florida. We had an election, a hurricane, and it's Veterans Day as the, on the day that we're speaking. And now we're less than two weeks away from a men's World Cup kicking off. Some some wild times down here in Florida. It really is. And I mean, from as we were talking about World Cup, it's... Of course, for people who are who are maybe a little new to the World Cup, this is this always happens in summer. Has been happening in summer for for close to a century now, going back to 1930. Other than World War II, um, it has always been a summer event. And even in the Southern Hemisphere, um, we've seen it as a summer event. So, to have a World Cup in the middle of November is a definite shock, and it's a, def- it's a shock to the soccer world because everything gets placed on hold at a time when people aren't aren't quite used to that. But you know, in spite of everything we've seen with a lot of the controversies surrounding the World Cup and, and the and the host nation selection and everything else, and there's still a great deal of anticipation here in Jacksonville and around the world for this these next month plus. You know, I was at the World Cup when it was in South Africa in the Southern Hemisphere, and, and don't get me wrong, it was it was there were some nights, there were some matches that were they weren't cold, but they were cool. You know, temperatures being the fifties, low sixties at kickoff, which I'd assume professional footballers would appreciate because it's not blisteringly hot. Um, but even that was held in the middle of June and July, so it might have been winter time down in South Africa, but it wasn't. It wasn't during the middle of most countries' club seasons. Nope, and that's a that's certainly one of the big variables that we'll be watching for because you know, we've seen multiple, probably a majority of the nations at this World Cup will be missing somebody, um, sometimes a number of people who would normally be on the roster. Um, we've seen it with the United States um, losing uh, Miles Robinson. Uh, several months ago with an Achilles injury that um, we've seen um, France will be without their entire starting central midfield from last, from the championship team last four years ago with um, Paul Polpa and N'Golo Conte both out. Um, England is missing Reese James at right back. Um, just about everybody is missing somebody. And that's going to, you know, that always happens to some extent, but you know, with coming in the middle of the club season for most parts of the world, the disruption could be a little greater than usual. You know, the person I really feel bad for the most is Marco Royce uh, of Borussia Dortmund in Germany. Oh my gosh. I mean, I think he got hurt uh, mid October and is going to miss the world cup. This should have been his third world cup and he's been hurt. He gets hurt late in the season. This is I think the third or fourth tournament he's gotten hurt late in the season. And it's just, I feel horrible for him because he's got the talent to, pl- to be on the team um, and has been a phenomenal performer for a decade. He just gets hurt at the wrong times. Um, so, uh, and then another person who, I guess he was on the roster, but I don't know how healthy he is, is uh, Senegal's Sadio Mane. Yes. Um, he picked up an injury for his club team, Bayern Munich, and 
I think they announced their roster not too long ago, and it was a shock to put him on there. But, I, I mean, I have a feeling that when you captain your country, you're going to do everything in your power <laughs> and maybe beyond that to be able to lead your country into the World Cup. That, no doubt about it. And, of course, in his case, is a little bit of a special case because he is so important to that team. Um, and also, I think they have some hopes that maybe, maybe um, he could be healthy by the, you maybe not 100%, but able to help for the games that really matter most for them. Because the difficult thing is in the, in the group they're in, they, of course, are in group A. So they'll be, they'll be with the host country in Qatar. They'll be with Ecuador. They'll be with the Netherlands. Um, I think most people would expect that the Netherlands would have the inside track in that group, but you know, I'm sure they're thinking maybe the, those next two matches, maybe there's a decent chance he can contribute in some way. Maybe he, if they make the second round, maybe he takes the field for whoever against whoever comes out of Group B, which is and Group B is very much in a lot of Americans' thoughts right now. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna get in trouble for this podcast. I'm, I'm already gonna tell you now. Um, I, I'm gonna get in trouble for some of these predictions I got. Um, you know, it's <laughs> um, no, but you're right about Mane. I I mean, they're the African champions. Yes, they are. I mean, they're they're not scrubs. No, and <laughs> so and of course, you know, there are you know, Senegal. Of course, has not been to the World Cup very many times, but when they have, they tend to make an impact. Of course, 2002. Oh, when they shocked France, made advanced from the group stage, um, and of course last time out in 2018 when they had a very strong performance and missed out on the very rarely seen um, fair play tiebreaker uh, out of that group, which was still one of the really unusual twists Shameful. in that World Cup. Um, but they they are certainly one of the Senegal will be one of the most balanced um, of the certainly um, I would say one, one of the most balanced of the African teams we've seen a lot. That they have very they have very strong goalkeeping and at one Mondi who every once in a while is on the wrong end of a unusual highlight, but has generally been very very effective for Chelsea over the years and you know, Koulibaly in central defense um it should be a strong team um and they could be one of the surprise teams that people may want to be watching out for um if, if they if they get on a roll and if Mane is healthy and if he is scoring goals and he has certainly been scoring goals for better part of a decade now for some major clubs including Liverpool and Bayern um they could be a team to watch they could very well be a team to watch um you know, I want to go through these groups and get your perspective. We're going to go through all eight groups real uh, – when I say real fast, we'll, we'll go through seven of them fast and then the American group a little bit longer because, again, I have some thoughts that are probably going to get me in trouble, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, group A, as we kind of flirted with earlier, is Netherlands, Senegal, Ecuador, and the hosts, Qatar. Um who do you have coming out of that group? You said we talked about the Netherlands. Who who do you think else might come out of there? Um, I'm inclined to think the Netherlands and Senegal. Um, Ecuador has come in very strong. Um, they were not generally expected to make the World Cup out of South America. I think most people would have no. picked a number of teams ahead of them. You know, Colombia did not make it. Chile did not make it. Peru did not make it. Ecuador no. made it, and they've made it with a lot of exciting young talents and players that maybe weren't on the radar as much um, outside South America for a while. Moises Caicedo has been very impressive in their midfield. Um, they certainly have a chance. Um, I think the Netherlands will have the inside track in this group. Um, of course, we tend to forget them. This has, has not always been a smooth ride for the Netherlands over the last no. half dozen years or so. They're, they're just getting back there. Of course, they have a few questions at a few positions. Goalkeeping is one of them. Um, they've had some questions about about goal scorers. I mean, you certainly have seen what Memphis can do over the years. Um, can be a little up and down, but has been up more often than not when it really counts lately. Um, people will need to 
to avoid the confusion of confusing Stephen Berghaus and Stephen Bergvine. They will both most likely be starting matches for the Dutch team. That could be confusing to some people, um, but they will probably be seeing a lot of them um, at this tournament. Um, of course, we've seen um, in Virgil van Dijk, certainly one of the leading European central defenders of the last half dozen years, although he has had a little bit of a shaky start to his season at Liverpool. A little bit shaky this year, but I, I have a feeling that not that he's sandbagging for his club team, but I have a feeling he's going to be guns blazing uh, for his first World Cup. Um, just, just have a feeling he's going to leave it all on the line. Um, uh, I, he's their captain, is he not, Van Dyke? Uh, he has he has indeed served as the captain a lot um, for most of the last few years. Um, they now they have very little experience in the net, which is an interesting thing. We don't know. We don't know for certain who's going to end up starting for them at this World Cup, and they have called up um, uh, uh, Nopert Pasvir and um, Justin Bailov, who is looks like Bailov may have inside track now, but we'll just have to see. But all of those have very little international experience. Um, but they have a number of other players that people will definitely be needing to keep an eye on. I mean, they will have two other, two more of really the um, the young defenders that people are very much watching these days. Um, and in to Van Dyke, um, two younger players and Yuri um, Timber of Ajax as well as um, Matthias Delic, now at Bayern, who has been in the scene for a few years now, but still just 23. People forget just how young he was when he made the jump to the national team. Um, and they typically play, uh, they, you know, they will still play a 3-5-2. Um, people are used to Dutch being in a 4-3-3 for so, so, so many years, but yeah. that's not likely what we're going to see um, at this World Cup. Yeah, you know, I... I'm kind of kind of putting them in the round of 16 by default almost. Um, I don't know anything about Qatar's uh, team. I saw a little bit of them at the Gold Cup last year uh, as a special invitation. And they played okay, but I, they haven't played – they really – outside of the Gold Cup, they really haven't played any competitive matches. They've looked solid in the competitive matches that they've played, but you, you just don't know. Um, I've got the Netherlands and Senegal getting out that group. Um, but I do think I think I think Senegal gets out that group because they get whatever result they need against Ecuador in the final group stage match, uh, whether it's a draw, whether it's a win. I think they'll get the result they need against Ecuador. And that's why I think they'll advance at Ecuador's expense. And uh, Qatar will kind of make up the numbers in that group. Um, what do you think? That's about the way that's I see it coming. Way. Interesting. Um, Qatar said you know, the Qatar team, not a lot of players who are obviously well-known outside the country. Um, they all play at home, and they've had an unusual warm-up. They, they have not really been taking on um, a lot of the teams that you would expect. Um, teams would be playing leading into a World Cup. They've been playing Guatemala, um, Honduras, um, Panama, Jamaica, uh, they've played a number of club teams. And so it's not as if they've been playing a lot of the teams that are at the kind of level that you would expect of you know, the Netherlands or Senegal or Ecuador, and which is an unusual method of preparation for a team that is, I think, by all accounts, very much the, un the underdog in that group. And in a lot of ways, oh, yeah. the underdog at this World Cup. Of course, you know, the, there's been the long tradition of host countries always getting out of the opening stage at the World Cup. Of course, that did not happen in 2010. Um, no. But it has happened most of the time. But, you know, even in 2010, South Africa, they didn't acquit themselves poorly. They played well. Um, you know, there was there was no shame in them. Well, some people were kind of like, how did they not make it? I'm like, I mean, you know, Uruguay and French were decent. <laughs> um uh, and then Mexico's in that. I think Mexico's in that group too. Yes. Uh, so we're going to skip Group B. We're going to skip Group B because we're going to come back to. We're going to do them last uh, uh, for for obvious reasons. Uh, group C: Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Mexico, and Poland. Now, Mexico has always always gotten out of the group. <laughs> the question is winning the round of sixteen. Personally, 
I don't think they got a group this time. They have not played well in qualifying. They've kind of ridden on talent, and they, they're they're less than the sum of their parts. So I don't see them getting out of this group. What say you? Well, I think I think Argentina is the pretty clear favorite here in most people's eyes. Uh, obviously, the person that everyone around the world knows is Lionel Messi. Um, he, this is not a one-man team. It's, it's interesting to no. see how this um, Argentina team has really taken shape around around him um where they seem to have pretty good support for him they have a midfield um with um, de paulo celso and um, paredes that has really formed a pretty good um connection there um di maria able to play in both wings it's very likely the last world cup for di maria as well as very likely the last world cup for Messi. and it's it feels like a strong a strong time coming up for Argentina. Now, of course, Argentina. we've seen this before at some recent World Cups, and it has not necessarily panned out. Um, it feels like this is their time to go pretty deep into this tournament, and maybe very, yeah. very deep. I, I think, I think they're the team to beat. Um, because what sunk them four years ago was goalkeeping. One of the things that sunk them was goalkeeping. Um, their goalkeeping was not good enough four years ago. Um, their defense was, at best, marginal. Um, and they relied on Messi too much four years ago. Don't get me wrong, Messi's still the guy. But it's not... If Me- it, it, Four years ago, it was Messi has to play at, you know, 2012 Lionel Messi levels for us to be good, for us to win. Where this year, it's he just has to be him. And they're, everyone else around him is also very good. I think they've, they're undefeated in their last 35. They've been very dominant of late. And, of course, the other, other part of this that people can't forget is Latar Martinez, who has emerged as a really efficient um, finisher and is a, a pretty good pretty good um, combination with Messi. And Messi has, Messi, not, Messi has not always had oh. that type of, type of you know, very um, – very direct, very, very efficient direct, finisher. Very efficient. Um, that's always been an issue for Argentina. Um, so that part looks. I mean, I they certainly would like the team to be in that group. Um, Mexico, Poland, Saudi Arabia. Interesting combination. Saudi Arabia has not looked as strong no. at World Cup level going back since '94. Um, they've had a lot of trouble competing this all. So uh, Mexico and Poland are both teams that have. Kind of have had their own challenges. Um, Mexico um, has not looked very strongly. This has really been probably one of the weakest um, you know, stretches leading up to a World Cup for a Mexican team in a while. Of course, it, you have to go back to 1978 to find the last time Mexico got knocked out in an opening round. Of course, in in 82 and in 1990, they didn't qualify at all. But they have a lot of questions. They also have a lot of injuries, um, and they have a number of players who are not who are not injured, but were simply not called up, which has led to its own controversy <laughs> in Mexico. Yes. Uh, we will not be seeing um, as stands. Will not be seeing um, um, Chicharito Hernandez will not be lining up for Mexico Lining as we've seen Mexico. for the last three World Cups. Um, they have some. Of course, uh, one of the, the things with Mexico that's worth, that's worth getting this out of the way, um, up, you know, for many years, um, there had been only one player to appear in five World Cups, and Antonio Carbajal for many years, and we've seen him in recent years joined by first Lothar Mateus, then um, Gianluigi Buffon, and yes. Rafael Marquez. Mexico will have two players in their fifth, players, World, Cups. Their fifth World Cup. And um, Guillermo Ochoa. He was also in the 06 team, and also Andres Guardado. Andres Guardado has been around for a long time, and this will, be his, this will be his fifth World Cup. And, and they will be two of the four five-time World Cup players at this tournament. The others, I think people have heard of them, are Messi and Ronaldo. So, uh, so we're going to have more, we'll have as many five-time World Cup players at this World Cup as there have been at all the World Cups before combined. Um, and, I, and there would, I think there would have been more. Ochoa. Go and ahead. There, I'm sorry. And there would have actually been more if Spain had called up um, Sergio Ramos and even Pepe Reina um, was, and for that matter, Iniesta. But they are not. I mean, the Spanish selection. Um, Mexico will. 
has a number of questions. Um, some they have a lot of experience in defense. Their midfield is certainly still built around Hector Herrera, but a lot of questions about who's going to get it up to the front line. A lot of questions about who's going to score the goals, um, because they they did score goals very nicely at a friendly match a couple of days ago. Um, starting with Alexis Vega, um, Mori got a goal. Um, but that was against Iraq, and that's that's not going to be the same level of play that we're going to see from Argentina or from or from um, Poland. And Poland is will be an interesting thing. This is very likely the last chance we'll see um, Robert Lewandowski at the World Cup. He's been scoring and scoring and scoring. scoring. We know he can score goals. Question is, can he, they get the ball up to him to score the goals, and can they avoid mistakes at the back? Um, Poland has a little bit of age at the back, and they're not always the quickest team, and they can be – they sometimes can seem – at the last World Cup, we saw times when they seemed to run out of ideas in that group. And Poland has had some issues the with that at the, last, at the last few tournaments. I personally lean slightly toward Mexico over Poland for the runner-up spot in this group. But that Mexico-Poland game will be – the first of first the group matchups for them. Okay. Mexico and Poland play each other first, so they will so know that will that's know a very important that. one right off the bat. Yeah, I, I just, I think Memo Ochoa is, the bigger the game, the bigger he plays. Um, and he, he will be the reason why Mexico, if Mexico gets out the group, he will have turned in a couple of performances that will make people want to build statues for him. Um, and and Hector Herrera, he he was not that good when he moved to the Houston Dynamo this year. Um, he was, you know, it was kind of nondescript. So I wonder what they'll be able to do in midfield. Um, I, I just I just trust Lewandowski to be able to find a way to put the ball in the back of the net a little bit more than I trust Memo Ochoa to have three fantastic games. That that that's really why I have Poland over Mexico. Um, and then obviously Saudi Arabia will be bringing up the numbers in that group. Group D. So they're the holders, France, Australia, Denmark, and Tunisia. And, you know, I've had this conversation with some other friends, which it's a really fascinating stat. Each of the last three World Cups and four of the last five World Cups, yep. the holders have not gotten out the group. And if you would have said four years ago, I mean, Germany was the favorite for many people to win the World Cup, and they didn't get out the group. Um, I bet Vegas took a bath on that. Uh, I, I just... So uh, Germany, I mean, you know, Spain was kind of on its last legs in 2014 after three, winning three straight tournaments. Uh, Italy was not a spent force, but they clearly weren't the same team in 2010. Um, and then obviously France, the last time they were the holders, they got shocked by Senegal opening game. Yes. Um, and the O2 team was even more stacked than the O6 team that got to the final. So I say all that to say France is the holders. France, Australia, Denmark, Tunisia. What what do you think is going to go down in that group? Um, I I do not see France getting knocked out in this group. Um, I they are a team in some transition that we mentioned. Um, no um, no Conte, no um, Pogba in the center of midfield. That's going to be a very 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 right, different right. looking midfield. Um, I mean, so you're going to see people Just like um. Like Chouameni from Chouameni. Real Madrid, um, Camavinga from Real Madrid, um, Matteo Guendouzi, who's now at Marseille after playing for a little while at Arsenal. Um, these are all going to be important players in that midfield. It's a very different looking midfield. Um, you're going to see a, a much larger role, I would think, for uh, Adrien Rabiot. Um, interesting player that, will, that everyone will be watching will be, and we'll have to see how exactly what his role becomes is. Um, uh, Christopher Nkunku with um, Leipzig, um, who is sort of in that next, that role of the next um, standout attacking midfielder for France. This is going to be his first real chance to see what he does on the big stage. But there's no question about what they have in attack, um, attack you know, with yeah. Bappe, with uh, Karim Benzema coming off, even in his mid-30s, still one of the best strikers in the world. They still have, the, of course, the returning strike pair from from four years ago in uh, Griezmann and Giroud, even though they're probably not at the absolute peak of their careers, and they're yeah, still they're scoring, scoring goals. goals. And Giroud goals. keeps scoring goals at 36 and is 
obviously going to be an option for them anytime they need a big target type forward who can head goals. Um, you know, they you know, also obviously have some injury questions at the back. And we don't know um, if I mean, Rafael Varane will be 100% coming into that um, opening match. If he's not, if he's not then they have to make some decisions about what they're going to do there. Um, because they have several other people who can play there, but whether it's Kimpembe, um, Saliba, who's had an excellent start this season at Arsenal. Yes, he has. Um, Shahi's been really good for them. Yes, um, you know, from Bayern Munich. It's going to be a different look in central defense for France. But I, I still think they, even after what we've seen from defending champions at World Cups, I, I see them getting out of this group. Um, I think I think they go through along with Denmark. And of course, Denmark, for Denmark. the Jacksonville listeners, of course, Denmark has a Jacksonville right. connection and you know, their head coach, Casper Hulman, who played at the University of North Florida, played midfield for UNF back in 1994, um, and is now coach of the Danish team and coach of a Danish team that reached the semifinals at the European Championships was nearly unbeatable in qualifying at least one match near the end. They were undefeated, untied. They lost lost to Scotland. Oh, really? Yep. Was was that like the dead robots? Yeah, that that was near the... um, That was was in November. That was at the... Everything was all set then. Um, Okay. But, I mean, of course... Certainly, part of the story. Anytime we're talking about Denmark, will be Christian Eriksen and, mm. of course, his return from near tragedy at the European Championship, and you know, now playing again, playing well in you know, early part of this season for Manchester United, and will be at the World Cup. Um, we still don't know a lot of details about. You know, certainly, a question mark for Denmark is goal scoring, um, but they've. They've had a very solid unit for these last few, few years, and they're not an easy team to play against. And, and of course, this is the group, when we talk about France, Australia, Denmark, this is three-fourths of the group from the last World Cup, except Peru was in there instead of Tunisia. You know, and, and the reason why uh, Denmark doesn't really have like that big center forward who's going to get you a boatload of goals, but they have so many different people who can put the ball in the back of the net. That's what makes them dangerous to me. Um, and then Castro Schmeichel and goal is a very safe pair of hands. Um, I just think because of their qualifying form and because of France's midfield questions. Um, and, and also I don't, we don't know how, like you said, we don't know how healthy Rafael Varane is, but I'm going to take the fact that when he got substituted off while he played for his club team, Manchester United, because of a slight injury, he was in tears. I take those tears that mean he really thought he missed the he missed the World Cup. So how injured he is, we don't know. But I'm going to believe that you know I don't think people's bodies all they don't lie to them. they don't lie. So I'm thinking that France gets out the group, but in second, which puts them on the more difficult part of the bracket in the round of 16, which is why I think they leave in the round of 16. Um, and then you know, uh, so I have Denmark, France, Australia, Tunisia. Um, Australia could very well be fourth in that group. They have yeah. not had a good World yeah. Cup preparation at all. They have not, and they um, they had, of course, a very difficult time to get into the World Cup. They had to go to penalty kicks um, in the World Cup playoff. Of course, they had a very difficult time in, in Asian qualifying, really their most difficult qualifying run in close to well over a decade and almost didn't yeah. make it. Um, and you know, there, there are a lot of questions about you know, where Australia is going to have you know, goals at this level. You know, they have some players who are pretty well experienced. Of course, Aaron Moy, who plays for Celtic and has played in the Premier League for a while, good oh, wow. midfield. But midfield. It seems difficult to see them getting past France or Denmark. We shall see. Um, and of course, Tunisia has, you know, was one of the teams that was at the last World Cup. Um, had some moments. Uh, they also they don't really have the major start power that we see from some of these teams. Certainly not like France. Um, they France, do have some experienced players. I mean, uh, they have um, you know, a lot of that midfield for 
for Tunisia was at the last World Cup when you want to look at him, you know, Wabi Kazri and Youssef Msakni, um, Elishkiri, um, a lot of players with World Cup experience, but it, it's going to be a tough task for them to get out of that group. Yeah, they're, they're, they're organized, which always gives you a chance. Um, so uh, fast forwarding Group E, I think this will be the group of the tournament. I really do. Yes. Um, I mean, I just, I really like this group. Um, actually, I think Group E and Group F are the two best groups. Group E, yes. Spain, yes. Germany, Costa Rica, and Japan. One of those two big powers could really get their feelings hurt if they don't if they don't have their their copas tied tightly for 270 minutes. What do you think happens there? A tough group to call. I mean, Germany has been a little bit erratic lately. Um, this is not like the well-oiled machine Germany that we've seen for a bunch of the last decade. They've had a number of hiccups in defense. They've had some a lot of difficulty finding you know the kind of defense they want I and mean, they've tried some different formations they've tried a number of different things um other than you know, antonio rudiger back there being pretty solid and um, they they have a lot of questions um there's not much question about the talent they have but it just has is still struggling to find find everybody getting into the same page um spain is not spain the spain of spain. 2010 or 2012, um, they are a team that is sort of in transition. A lot of young talent coming up that people will, I think, find pretty exciting at this World Cup if they are not already familiar with them. Um, when you want to look at it, like look Pedri, at it. Gavi, Ansu Fati, players who can do a lot of pretty special things, um, still early in their careers, but looking like sort of the next wave of Spain of Spanish soccer that we've seen for the last few years. Very good passing team and get the ball. They they play to attack. You know, Luis Enrique definitely plays to attack. Very different look at some of the positions though from what we've seen in past World Cups for Spain. Really, um, if if you look at the last players holding in from those you know, championship teams for Spain. I mean, Busquets is still there. Alba is still there. But that's about it. I mean, it's a very different group. Um, we don't, and there are never questions about their goal scoring yet. You know, Alvaro Morata has had some good good spells in his career and some not so good spells in his career. Um, if, if, he, if he has his shooting boots on, he's as good as anyone. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, Spain has certainly certainly enters as a strong contender. Um, I mean, Costa Rica, of course, we saw surprise some teams um, eight years ago when a group with England, Italy, and Uruguay. Uh, it is one of the things that people will be, if they have not followed Costa Rica that closely, it is a lot of the same players from that team that, that played in 2014 against... Italy, England, and Uruguay. They, they, it seemed like a little bit of an old team four years ago. It seems like a lot, a quite old team right now when you're talking about you know, people like Kaylor Navas, you know, Brian Ruiz, um, you know, Oscar Duarte in defense. Um, um, Joel Campbell is still there. Um, Johan Venegas is still there. Players, a number of these players are now in their mid-30s. And so you know, they have the experience of pulling off upsets, but it, it's going to be difficult to pull up upsets in a group like this one. And of course, one of the really interesting teams is going to be Japan. Um, Japan is a high energy, high activity team. Uh, they have a question as far as goal scoring, which seems to be the question every World Cup for Japan. They're not always as consistent in front of goal, but they have their midfield is going to be a midfield well worth watching. And, yes. and they're they are also like getting those the um, the um, defenders yeah, forward. That's defenders something forward. That we've seen for a number of years from them. Now I mean, they still have um, Yuto Nagatomo out there. He's 36 now, not playing for Inter Milan anymore. Back in the J League, but there there are some very experienced defenders for Japan. I could see them causing problems for Spain or Germany if they're own. I mean, we saw them, of course, come very close memorably close at the last World Cup to knocking out Belgium, going up 
going up two goals in Belgium and you know, three goals late for for the Belgians and that knocked Japan out. But I could I could see Japan Same. making it through here. Of course, they will. They are a they are not on home soil, but they are in, on Asian soil. They are this is they are not playing playing matches that count in the Middle East. Not unusual for them. Um, yeah. I could see them making it through along with Spain. You know, I think for me, I think Japan and Spain are almost very similar teams um, in terms of style of play. I, my question is, when does Sergio Busquets pick up his yellow card for a tactical foul? Does he pick it up against Costa Rica in the first match, or does he pick it up against Japan in the third match? And I, the reason I say that is because he's going to pick up a tactical yellow card. It's going to happen. The question is... Because he's just not he's just not quick anymore. He, he was never that fast, but he was never that quick, but he's even slower than he was. And I think that because of how Costa Rica plays in terms of the counterattacking, they're going to try and put him in some situations where he's got to make a decision. Um, but I say that if 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 Busquets can be slow, if they can slow down Busquets, I think if, also for Japan, I think the big thing is they have to score first. I think they have to score first if they're going to have any chance against Spain. If Spain scores first, it's over for Japan. Good luck. You had a great tournament. Hold your head high. It's a wrap for y'all. Um, but if Japan scores first, then some th some things are possible. And they play in the third game. Japan uh, Japan and Spain play in the third uh, group stage yep. game on December 1st. So uh, if, I think it's big for Japan to score first in that game. Um, and Costa Rica, you know, I think Costa Rica can, can get a goal against Spain. I don't know if they, I don't know if Spain gets two, maybe they tie. I don't know, but I think Costa Rica will get at least one against Spain. I just don't know how many they will stop Spain from scoring. If Kaylor Navas is Kaylor Navas, Spain, Spain might, uh, get really concerned. Uh, still think Spain gets out the group. Still think Germany gets out the group, uh, Japan third, Costa Rica fourth, but I think Costa Rica will, will leave with no shame. And finishing fourth, they will they will give all three of those teams everything they want and more. Um, group F, I think, could be even better than Group E for a lot of different ways because there there are three teams that legitimately could go through and win a game in the knockout stage, if not more. Uh, Belgium, Canada, Morocco, Croatia, Croatia World Cup finalists in 2018 um, had a wonderful run. Belgium, this is this is really it for their golden generation, and then Canada. I, I like what I see from them. I really do. It's an, ex it's an interesting group. It is an exciting group. There's a, I mean, there are, there's a lot of excitement in these groups. Of course, we saw Belgium and Croatia were both two of, I guess, sort of the surprise teams of the last World Cup. They, they de depends on how one quantifies surprise. I mean, they were people could see them coming. Um, Belgium has. Belgium, of course, returns a lot of the same people. I um, mean, now an interesting question for Belgium is: you know, some of them are not necessarily playing as consistently as they were four years ago. You, know, Aiden Hazard, um, Hazard. You know, you know, Lukaku has been up and down for a lot of the last few years. Um, injury issues. The defense is much older. This is most of the same defense. I mean, you know, Alderweireld, Vertonghen, these players are still there. Um, and you know, Axel Witzel in front is still there. Um, so uh, the big question for for Bentley, Bentley. You know, do they still have do enough left in the tank to make it make a solid run? Um, and of course, the the key man for them, as we've seen for well, the last decade, is Kevin De Bruyne. And of course, when he gets on the ball, yeah. special things happen all the time. Of course, the same could be said of Croatia and Luka Modric, who is even has even more experience now 37 years old but keeps making special things happen for real madrid that's a great midfield for the croatians you know which we've seen for years now that modric brozovic um and kovacic combination combination very 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 well drilled very very they complement each other's skills very well um croatia has to an even greater degree than belgium Questions about goal scoring. We didn't have. We didn't know a lot about 
you know, they've shuffled yeah, through a number of forwards. Number That's been a problem for them. They also have questions with goalkeeping and defending in places. It's promising defense, but in areas, but they are really not that experience at this level. And so we could be seeing people like Josko Vadiol getting some a, a big test in central defense for Croatia at this World Cup. Um, Canada, of course, this is the first time Canada has been here since 1986. And there is some exciting talent in that team. This is, you know, by now, many people have seen Alfonso Davies with um, Bayern Munich. He is, he is not the only player to watch in that Canadian team. Um, there is, I mean, they, you know, they have all a number of positions that don't have that much experience at this kind of level, um, especially when you talk about some of their defenders. Um, they, so this is going to be a bit of a step up for them, but you know, they play with a lot of excitement. They were probably the most, I would say, play at the, the consistently the highest level of the CONCACAF qualifiers um, yes. when they were on. And they they were very strong. Um, I would also say Morocco is a team people should not overlook. And Morocco had, at the last World Cup, they went a tough, tough group with Spain, Portugal, and Iran. They produced Iran, some highlights. They didn't get out of the group. Um, but there are several players there. I mean, when you look at you know, Bounou and Gold, right? um, Hakimi and Mazraoui, an excellent pair of outside backs, really one of one of the best pairs of outside backs from an attacking sense in this tournament, and a, a ZH um, at Chelsea who can be Chelsea. very dangerous and very effective when he's on. Is um, he, is, are they bringing him up? Did he? Did he? I know he said he was done with the national team. ZH is he? Is he actually? <laughs> it's easy to say when it's a not non World Cup year that you're done with the national team. <laughs> he, he is back. He is back. New, new coach, and he is back. And while Ragagi is the new coach, and took over this year and that seemed to smooth over some of the disputes he was having with the organization in Morocco. So, so Ziyech is back. And so, I mean, there are four teams in this group that are, that are very capable of producing some highlights. And I, I think this, this will be one of the really fun groups of the world cup. I'm still inclined to pick Belgium and Croatia to go through, but it, it is an interesting group and it, one could easily pick, find a scenario where Canada gets just the right, the right, you know, where the players get adjusted this level just in time, or and or where where Belgium or Croatia end up not quite having the the energy left in the legs for what will be a very hot World Cup. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, and one other thing that needs to be noted is you know, they are playing four matches a day, most of this World Cup. There will be fewer rest days between matches than what we are used to from past World Cups. Typically, teams will be playing uh, with three days of rest apart, whereas it's very often been four or five days of rest between other games. So you combine that with the heat. We don't really know how that's going to affect things. There are a lot of unknown quantities here. And I could certainly see it taking a toll on one of the older teams like a Croatia or like a Belgium. I, I really think Canada has to win its opening match to get out this group. I, that's a great point about fitness and the the legs, because this isn't like a, a, a summer World Cup where you have uh, three uh, anywhere between what most countries anywhere between at a minimum three weeks, sometimes even as much as five weeks between the end of the club season and the first World Cup match. This is teams are still playing um, club matches two weeks before the world cup starts. And then it's hit the ground running and there is no rest. Uh, so that I, I think it'll favor a younger team like Canada. Um, I really like Tejon Buchanan when he plays for Canada, he's very exciting. Yep. Um, I, you know, you're right. Canada's defense doesn't have a lot of experience. At, none of them have experience at the world cup level, but I just think that, like you said, they were so consistent um, that they play to the, they, they are more than the sum of their parts and teams that are more than the sum of their parts in world cups can be very dangerous. Um, I have Belgium and Canada getting out Belgium first, Canada second. Um, and, uh, that's, and then Croatia and Morocco are third and fourth. 
Uh, we're going to hit Group G and Group H real fast. Um, Bra- Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland, Cameroon, and Group G. Uh, Brazil's got the deepest roster in the tournament. Um, but I just don't always trust the team captained by Neymar. So, uh... <laughs> Well, I mean, we've seen... <laughs> It's we're looking at 20 years now since the last Brazilian World Cup victory, since the last Brazilian World Cup final appearance. Um, Brazil's had a lot mm. of disappointments. This is, of course, a very similar group to what we saw four years ago as well. With some of these teams that play each other a lot lately, um, I I like Brazil's chances to win this group. I I am see Switzerland making it through second. Um, they've been very very resilient, very difficult to break down. Not a lot of flair and attack. And interesting player to see with a watch this World Cup for Switzerland maybe in Grant Xhaka, who was playing the, some of the best soccer of his career in the first half of the year at Arsenal. Um, it's, it's been um, shocking to see, to be honest. And you know, Serbia has, of course, was the team that that forced Portugal into the playoffs. I mean, Mitro, Mitrovic's always a handful for defenders they have um, and Malinkovic Savic um, several very very effective midfielders um some questions about defense for Serbia which is the reverse of what we've seen from a number of recent Serbian teams at the World Cup which has been very solid defense but people like you know Nemanja Vidic uh, Branislav Ivanovic who are not in the scene right now and sometimes not as much uncertainty as far as goal scoring. And of course, Cameroon is back. Cameroon is back at the World Cup. Um, a team that has a lot of great, um, great um, World Cup World history. Cup. Going back to 1990, um, seems like a little bit of a tough test for them in this group. Um, but they do have some people who have been here before, like Vincent Abubakar up on attack. And will be interesting to see what they can do. You, you know, I, I don't. I don't see Cameroon doing much this time around, um, but but you know sleep sleep on them if you want is is the way I'd say it. You know Serbia, they're like you said they're a team that made Portugal go through the playoffs. Um, they're going to be a hard team to break down, but I think you know I think Brazil and Serbia have been in the same World Cup group more than once. Uh, and yes, they, they have found a way to beat them. Um, I just. Mitrov, uh, Mitrovic has been really good for Fulham this year, um, much better than when he was last in the Premier League with them. Um, but I still don't know if that's enough to get out of a group that the Swiss don't do anything dumb. <laughs> um, and when you don't do dumb things, you get out of the group stage, usually. Uh, group H is uh, Portugal, Ghana, Uruguay, and South Korea. <sighs> I don't know if it's because I saw like this whole uh, debut of the, how you, the, the video that the Uruguayan national team put out there um, of revealing their team. I don't know if it's because I saw that. I don't know if this is because it's Luis Suarez's last World Cup. I don't know, but I like them getting out of that group. Um, as the as winning that group, what I, what do you what do you see? I also see Uruguay winning that group. Um, I mean, it's it's probably the last hurrah for a number of these players in Godin, um, Suarez, um, Cavani, um, several others. Um, this is this is the last chance for them, most likely. Um, I I also see them getting out of this group. I and mean, Portugal has a lot of Portugal talent. Lot and of it talent. doesn't always seem like it's all on the same page right now. Of course, now the big right question now, is Cristiano Ronaldo. Ronaldo. What, what do they do? What is the best role What's... for Ronaldo right now? He is not remotely near his best form right now with Manchester United and they have a lot of other very talented players whether you were talking about Bernardo Silva Bruno Fernandes who himself can be pretty up and down um and of course you have the the, Uh, Jao Felix is um another attacker um you know I if if Diogo Jota had been healthy I think the Portuguese manager had a problem ahead of him yes. <laughs> in terms of the starting 11. But because Jota is not healthy and did, is not on the roster, I think that will he, – he'll start Cristiano and keep it moving. But if Jota had been healthy, I think they've got a question to answer or and, two. And the other thing is what happened if – Ronaldo's come up so big for them over the years. Of course, you were talking about anybody scoring more than 100 goals for the national team, which is just unheard of. But you know, yeah. the other thing is, you know, if he is not performing, you know, yeah. then where do they turn for goals? You know, do they look at Andre Silva? Um, 
you know, also Rafael mm -hmm. Leal from um, AC Milan has hit some moments, although not really proven with the, at the national team level. Um, there's a lot of talent for Portugal. They feel like they should go get out of this group. I think they will get out of this group, but I have I have Uruguay ahead of them. Of course, the big storyline will be the rematch of Uruguay and Ghana. Um, Uruguay and Ghana have met before in a memorable World Cup game. I think I don't think anybody in either country has forgotten about the Uruguay-Ghana World Cup game. Um, uh, Ghana has has a number of players who've been doing this for a while uh, and made it to the World Cup with some difficulty. I mean, it, it was not it was not viewed uh, coming in as Ghana being a favorite to make it, but they did. And you know, whether you're looking at you know, someone like Andre Ayu, um, you know, you know, Wakaso in midfield, and Thomas Partey, of course, in the Premier League with Arsenal, um, Jordan Ayu with Crystal Palace. They have some people that people have known for a while. Um, it's going to be, they do have a number of questions about how their defense is going to shape up. And of course, South Korea has certainly one of the individual stars of this World Cup um, or of Asian soccer coming into this World Cup in Song Hyung Min. Of course, we know he has not been 100% himself as far as injury leading up to this tournament. He is absolutely critical for South Korea. South Korea, of course, plays a very high intensity style. We'll be interested to see how that um, goes for them at this World Cup. He has a facial, uh, Song Hyun Song Hyun Min has a facial fracture, if I heard right. Yes, that um, is correct. It does not sound exactly conducive to running long periods for long distances. Um, oh, yeah, good point. Um, so we've, we've got 14 of the 16 teams we think are going to get out of the group. We're, let's go to Group B. Let's go to Group B. Um, oh, England, Iran, Wales, and Murica. <laughs> No, this is where I get in trouble. So, so I'm going to start with you, so you don't have to get be a part of the stink that is probably going to get me in trouble. What say you, Clayton, about Group B? It, my 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 gut feeling, um, seeing what I've seen for the USD team the last few months, they're going to have a difficult time. They have, they have, a, they still don't seem to have a a reliable goal scorer um, as far as a center forward that they can rely on for any goals with any kind of regularity. Um, where is Jordan Peefock, Greg Berhalter? Where is he? That, that's a valid question. I mean, not not a lot of times have has a U.S. national team had someone who has been starting as a forward for what was a uh, at one point, not right now, but what was a leading team, a a team at the top of a major league, um, with you know Berlin in the Bundesliga as well as then Ricardo Pepe, of course, who's also not here, yeah. who has been scoring, have been a, a little bit of a scoring slump for a while, but has been scoring very nicely of late. In the Netherlands, also not here. Um, so uh, they're going to have to find goals from somewhere. Of course, we saw Jesus Ferreira score four times in one match in the summer. Grenada is not at the World Cup, however. This is going to be a, a different um, kind of challenge. Um, and I I don't think, you know, we've seen some shaky moments at times from from England, but it's, it's England looks like the team to beat in this group by some margin. Um, yes. I, yes. Now, of course, we, and th this is a, a group that looks a little more dangerous than people might think. Um, I think there were people in the United States that thought this would be an easy group at the start. It's not necessarily that easy a group. Iran is not mm. a team that can be ignored. I and mean, they this is it's a team that caused a lot of problems for Spain and Portugal and Morocco in the last World Cup. Of course, they caused they've caused problems for a number of teams that very difficult to break down, very experienced. Much of this team for Iran was at the last 
World Cup signs, the last two World Cups. They have a head coach, and um, Carlos Cairoge, who knows the United States very well, coached the New York, New Jersey yes. Metro Stars in the first year of MLS in 96, um, will not underestimate the American team at all. And they have some pretty talented players. I'm playing at some pretty major clubs and with a lot of experience. Of course, the other team, which is an interesting story of its own, is Wales. And we've, you, you know, this we we don't know how many more matches Gareth Bale plans to play, but he can still score goals, and we have seen that yes, not can. very long ago. Yeah. And, That's the Philadelphia Union. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and he is possibly the most exciting individual player in this group, and can turn things around very quickly, and is carrying the hopes of the entire country on his shoulders, but Wales is also pretty solid at the back. We've seen that at the last, last um, Euros at the last European championship. Yeah. We saw him qualifying there. They rely a lot on, on Bale to, for the exciting moments, but he's not the only player who can, who can do damage. And of course, England has more six, five. Yeah. But so, so that's the thing that scares me about about Wales. That is exactly the thing that scares 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 me about Wales. They might not be the world's greatest team, but when you have somebody who only needs one chance to put the ball in the back of the net, and the United States has a defense that during World Cup qualifying occasionally switched off. If you switch off against Gareth Bale, he will put the ball in the back of the net, and people will be like, and and folks in the United States will have their feelings hurt. I mean, Gareth Bale was pretty much anonymous. In his 20, in the first 20 minutes, he was on the pitch during the MLS Cup final, and he got one chance and dunked on somebody who was six foot six. I, I just that's what scares me about Wales. All he needs is one chance, and the United States during World Cup qualifying too often gave up that one chance. Uh, and the other problem for the United States is that we've seen is you know. We know they have promising players in the midfield. We talk about Tyler Adams. We talk about you know, Christian Pulisic. We talk about um, Weston McKinney. Um, Brendan Aronson is coming very strong early in the season with Leeds United. Um, Eunice Musa is maybe one of the real X-factor type players for this team. Um, yes. And he is certainly one of the players that ties it all together. And if he is on, I, I would give the United States pretty decent chance of getting out through. The scary thing is the defense has been pretty shaky as far as giving up chances, but also just flat out giving up the ball. Um, and that was yes. something that we've seen several times. And we've seen even in the recent friendly matches, we saw Japan cause the, the United States defense all kinds of problems in the friendly match two months ago. I can tell you these other teams will be paying attention to that. They, they see a they see a defense that can be exploited in that way. And of course, when you're talking about a team like countries like England and Wales, they they don't have to be encouraged to press you. I mean, that's that's no. almost the 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 traditional style of play that's predominated for a long time in Britain. It's and so that's going to be a chance. Of course. Maybe everything comes together in defense. Maybe it doesn't. It's it's a scary group for the United States, and it's something I think people's expectations are they're getting out of the group coming in when after the time of the draw. It's a scary thing. I, I could see I could see this being a BBC group where England England and Wales are the team going through. You know, I actually think it's going to be England and Iran, and the reason I say that is. Um, I know that, you know, folks always like to say, oh, about politics and things like that, try and keep that out, out of soccer, which they do. But if you mean to tell me that Iran is going to play a competitive match against the United States, a two hour flight away from its capital and has a chance to send the United States out of the men's World Cup. Oh, yeah, that's the experience of Iran combined with the inexperience of the United States combined with the United States did not play well away from American soil against the good teams in CONCACAF qualifying. They, they were fortunate to get a draw against Mexico. They lost to Canada. They capitulated against Costa Rica. 
So you and that Iran match is going to be a certifiable road game. That is not going to be a neutral site World Cup match. That is going to be a road game where I would venture to guess that most of the people in the stadium will want Iran to win for a multitude of reasons. So all of that is if the United States goes into its third game against Iran in the group stage and needs a result, I don't think they get it because of what they've shown, plus Iran having a chance to knock out the United States would be the extra motivation I don't think they need. So I think England gets out, wins the group. I think Iran is second, and the United States is three and done, in part because of the lack of a center forward. Um, though I would like to see Tim Way as the center. Start, like, if Tim Way starts at center forward, I like our chance. I like the Amer- American chances better. If he is not the starting center forward, I don't know where they're scoring because uh, Ferreira has had chances. Uh, he had a golden chance against Japan. Didn't do much with it. He um, he really hasn't played well against high quality opponents. Like, great that you scored against Grenada, but that's Grenada. <laughs> You're supposed to score against Grenada. So I, I, I'm just looking at this forward line and saying, who is going to put the ball in the back of the net against a good team? And you know, Jordan Morris has been a little bit of a flat track bully. Uh, Josh Sargent, he too has been a bit of a flat track bully. And, you know, for Greg Berhalter to say, well, Josh Sargent's in good form, Haji Wright's in good form, um, that might be true. But I'm like, Jordan P. Fox in better, like, Jordan P. Fox playing in a better league than both of them and is producing goals and assists, and, and he wasn't called up. So I very much have some questions about uh, the U.S. national team getting out. Um, really, really fast. Cause I know it's, uh, we've taken up a good bit of your time. Uh, want to go through, um, we're not going to go through the round of 16. Who do you have in the semis? Who do you have in the final? Who do you have winning it? Oh yeah. Big, big questions there. Um, I, it, this, this is probably as good a time as any to mention that there, this shapes up to be potentially a, there is a strong chance that one half of the draw ends up stronger than the other. I mean, groups yes. A, C, E, and G, as we've seen in past World Cups and recent World Cups, are linked together. So that means if if the form holds, you're going to have Argentina, Brazil, whoever wins group both. E, which could be Spain, Germany, take your pick, Spain, Germany, Japan, whoever wins that, whoever wins group E is a contender. And potentially the Netherlands, maybe all in the same half of the group. Um, that that's a pretty strong half of a bra- of a bracket. Um, I I personally, um, now now that you're asking, I mean, I I lean, I'm leaning toward what toward one half of the bracket, um, pro- producing an Argentina Brazil semifinal. I have Brazil totally making agree. it through. Don't um, agree there. I have, I have the other half of the bracket, which is pretty, pretty unpredictable to call. Um, but I mean, I'm le- I am leaning toward um, a a Belgium England semifinal. We have three of the same four semifinalists. I have England over Germany in the other semi and Argentina over Brazil. I just are I think I think Leo Messi will have a I think it might not be Zidane in 06, the 06 quarterfinal against Brazil, but I think it'll be a performance close to that to lift them to the final. And I, I have I have Brazil over England in the final. I mean, I'm not sure this is the that's I'm not. I have a lot of questions about England. Um, I have to say, Gareth Southgate always seems to have this team ready to, to play when it matters. The, the nation Nations League is one thing. I think they're going to get the easy easier half of the bracket. Um, I agree. I think they they probably going to who if they win Group B, they get whoever is runner up in Group A. They then could get. Maybe a weekend France, maybe Denmark, which was causing a lot of problems last time. Um, yeah. But they did win that. I, I see that part shaping up pretty well for England. But I, I, I feel like this could be Brazil's World Cup um, too. 
to win. You know, we'll see. Um, and you know, one more one more note about the United States. Um, and this is, I suppose, a note of some hope for American fans. Um, oh. We talk we talk about the forwards. Um, in some ways, the forward situation is a little bit reminiscent to me of the 2010 World Cup, where in 2010 they had a lot of questions. You know, Charlie Davies, who was supposed to be the starting center forward at the end of qualifying, of course, got hurt, missed the World Cup. So they they went into the 2010 World Cup with no experience at forward. I mean, they had they had um, Edson Buttle, who had three caps. They had Hercules Gomez, who had four caps. They had Robbie Findlay, who had six caps. And they had Josie Altidore, who had just turned 20. And you know, that team was able to to emerge from a group that contained England and ultimately made the second round. Um, they're going to have to hope for something kind of like that because, and it, of course, it helped that that team had a had a certain you know, Landon Donovan and Clint Dempsey to score goals from midfield. Um, and a prime Tim Howard. And a prime um, Tim Howard. I, I was, it's fun fact, I, I, and, and we're going to wrap it up soon. I was there when at the on that end of the field when Donovan scored the goal against Algeria. I, I promise you there were grown men in the stands crying. Um, it was the most powerful moment I've ever had in sports. Um, but, no, you're right about the experience of the U.S. national team. Um, Clayton, I so appreciate you dropping your knowledge on us uh, with the With Will podcast. Thank you so much for giving your thoughts on the World Cup, and we'll see if Neymar and Brazil lift the trophy like you think, or whether it's Messi and Argentina like I think, or someone else uh, comes out of the fray and lifts the trophy. So, Clayton, thanks so much. Sounds great. Thanks for having me on here. Looking forward to a big month out there in soccer. Special thanks to Clayton Freeman for devoting some time to chatting with us here on the Withwell podcast about the Men's World Cup. It kicks off in Qatar on November 20th. The United States kicks off on November 21st against Wales and then plays England on November 25th and concludes its group stage match on November 29th against Iran. If they do that, they'll get to the round of 16 and beyond, and we'll figure it out from there. But thanks so much to Clayton Freeman, and thank you for joining us on this extended episode of the With Will Podcast. I'm your host and producer, Will Brown. The introductory music was produced by Gabrielle Wiggins, and other music was provided by freemusicarchive.org. Thanks so much for joining us, and we will talk soon.